Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 76 of Believe in Betting LA. I am your host, Sam Maxwell, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Lewart. And we are joined by very special guests. You know him from Gambling Twitter, Luca Larry. You can find him on Twitter at Larry's Locks 2 and Larry'sLocks.com. Let's welcome in our very special guest today. How you doing, Larry? Doing well, man. Excited. We got uh we got through the first two rounds of the tournament. We only had, I think, what, one COVID issue and most of the games have been exciting. I think I saw a stat today or yesterday that uh, this has been the most upsets in the history of the tournament through two rounds. And I think we're only like one away from tying the overall record throughout the whole tournament. So can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, I was wondering what is not necessarily what's causing it, but is it, you know, I feel like the blue bloods like Kansas looked horrible. Duke's not even in there. Kentucky's not even in there. Is it lack of pra- practice time? Like, what is going on with these? Two? What is going on with these? I mean, props to I love it, right? Like I love seeing Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, even though it completely nuked, <laughs> nuked my my bracket and nuked my picks. But like, where is this coming from? I mean, in my opinion, I mean, I think we've kind of seen a trend over the last probably ten years or so of the mid majors really starting to catch up to what you mentioned, those blue blood programs, and then you throw in the factor of. You know, athletes trying to get paid now and guys that aren't even going to college or going to the D-League, they're going overseas. That kind of muddles it a little bit. Um, but I think overall, the most part of it is that these these mid-majors are really just starting to catch up to them. And to the point where we're seeing, you know, a decent amount of mid-majors in the Sweet 16. And I got a feeling as years to come, we're going to be starting to see them in the Elite Eight, Final Four. It's It's definitely getting watered down as far as the Blue Bloods are concerned. Well, you've got some programs like Gonzaga, for example, that is quote unquote a mid-major. They're more of a blue blood these days than you know a lot of these actual blue bloods are. Um, we'll see if they can obviously break through and finally win that national championship. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it, this is not a new thing, Chris. You know, Kentucky didn't make the tournament. Duke didn't make the tournament. Michigan State lost in the first four. You know, yep. like that—that's insane. And then, as you mentioned, both Kansas uh, and North Carolina were blown out in their respective games. At least Kansas got a win. That's one of the few blue bloods that can actually say that right now. So it's—it it makes for a really fun tournament. I think we all enjoyed the opening round. I mean, it could have been uh, NIT level basketball, and I would have been sitting, you know, glued to the couch with how excited I was. Um, if you think about it, and Chris, we talked about this, I think, on the last pod, but um, this is really the only thing that we actually got taken away from us with yeah. COVID. You know, we got a bubble. We got a, a condensed, weird baseball season. We got football on literally every day of the week last season. Um, <laughs> you know, everything was watered down, perhaps, but we got it. March Madness was canceled. It's been two full years since we had it. It is amazing to have it back, and you can't take that for granted. So I'm happy to have it back. Once again, this is episode 76 of Believe in Betting LA. I'm joined by Chris Lewart and Lucha Larry from Larry'sLocks.com. He's from Gambling Twitter, a very well-known Twitter gambling guy. All right, let's get some administrative stuff out of the way before we move on here. Again, we are on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. I'm at smaxwell 713 Chris is at Lou Mandingo Rock. Sadcap is at Sadcap. Edgefinder Sports on Twitter if you're looking for Chris's and, and Sad Capital's uh, new advisory service for uh, betting. And we are available wherever you choose to get your podcast from. That includes iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, 
and iHeart. And before we move on, we're going to talk about the entirety of week number one, or weekend number one, I should say, of the NCAA tournament. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. I'm sure you were there last weekend. If you're listening to this podcast, you enjoy getting some action on the game. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably like college basketball a bit. There is no better place to go than BetOnline.ag. You can sign on the web. You can sign on your mobile device and receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. I highly recommend it. All of our odds in this podcast come from BetOnline. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So let's break it down, guys. Let's talk about week number one. And, and we're not going to take ourselves too seriously, or we're just going to kind of go roundtable and, and talk about it, because it was that much fun. Um, first, I want to talk about the new formatting. I think it was funny, Chris, when we talked, I think we recorded last Wednesday night, and I was in the, the mindset of, man, this is great, the extra prep day, you have one less day of the week that you're, you're kind of chomping at the bit waiting, you're, you know, you're not having to work through games on Thursday or Friday. Friday got here, it was a disaster. I could I could barely work. I could barely watch. I didn't do either thing as well. Saturday, having that first round, guys, on a weekend was awesome. I don't know about you, Larry, uh, but you know I have a day job. Chris has a day job, and and so it was awesome to have a, a, a an opening like you know nine to nine sixteen game first round day on the weekend. That part was awesome. But by the time yesterday came around, man, I was a disaster. I mean, I was running out of steam. You saw the same sentiments on Twitter from a lot of different people that, uh, you know, maybe we overthought this. Maybe it actually was better Thursday through Sunday. So want to start there. What are your guys' thoughts on the new formatting? We'll start with you, Larry. Yeah, uh, so you guys both mentioned, you know, you both have full-time jobs. I came from a former 9-to-5 job before I got into this, and I would have been right there with you. Like, I would have been okay with the format that they just installed where, you know, you're only out the Friday, you know, and you get the weekend through and then you get Monday. It makes that Monday a little bit better because we all know Mondays are always terrible to get through. Um, but from my perspective this year, like I didn't matter. You, you said it earlier, like that was the only thing taken from us. So the fact that we got it at all, they could have played this tournament throughout the entire week. You know what I mean? Like two games per day. And I would have been totally fine with it. It didn't matter to me. The fact that we got it is all that I cared about. And, you know, it's just an extra bonus, I guess you'd say, the fact that we were able to keep the format somewhat similar. So I'm happy either way. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I did enjoy, you know, I've had office jobs where we have the big TV right in the room and you can put the games on, you can switch them and you're able to kind of, you know, suck everybody else in in the office to what's going on and people care about it. I mean, my sister, who doesn't know the first thing about anything basketball related, right, doesn't bet on anything, doesn't care about anything, fill out a bracket, right? So I enjoy that kind of camaraderie uh, in the office, but I also had office jobs where, I'm sitting and hitting that boss button, right? And I'm looking over my shoulder and, uh, you know, oh, yeah. as years went on, right, when CBS started doing a good job of letting you stream the games, like IT departments were were throttling bandwidths and it's just, it was murder, right? It was like being eight years old again, waiting for Christmas morning and just like getting getting it, it torn out. So, you know, being that mostly it's work from home, I, I don't think there was quite the enjoyment there might have been for those people in a situation like like I described, but you know, Larry, Larry nailed it. If they played this only on Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., right, over the next eight weeks, I would have I would have been excited to do it. And I would have been waking up early. Chris, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned the bandwidth. Uh, I, I had a job once. I think this was two or three March Madnesses ago where I actually brought my personal laptop in. That way I wouldn't, you know, burden the rest of the company with having the games on. Had it up there, was rocking. This is amazing. Uh, everyone's complaining about slow internet. I'm playing dumb, of course. And <laughs> someone actually called 
the the internet provider to say, hey, what's going on? We're really slow today. Like, there's no reason it should be slow. And they did a diagnostics test and came oh, back no. and said, the computer named Sam Maxwell's personal oh, no. computer is using up 90% of our bandwidth streaming March Madness. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, it's happened to me, definitely. Um, Yes, it was. It was. Uh, we're so happy to have it, of course. And you know, it just goes to show you gotta just take you gotta just take those days off. That way, you can focus on March Madness. You're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, have to half-ass work or anything like that. So, great to have it back. Let's dive deep into what we saw over the weekend. And again, this was Friday to Monday. We are recording this full disclosure Tuesday evening, March 23rd, about 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern. What were your guys' thoughts about the upsets? We, we talked about it right off the front there with Larry and Chris. Um, a lot of upsets. We saw a ton of double-digit seeds. Uh, you know, we saw, I think, a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 all win, right? I think I got that right. What was the most shocking upset? I mean, it's easy to say, you know, the 15 over the two, I think, for the only the eighth time ever, maybe ninth time ever, was the biggest, most shocking upset. But a lot of people actually were talking about Oral Roberts giving Ohio State a run for and even winning that game outright. So. We'll start with you, Chris. What was the most shocking upset of the opening weekend? It shouldn't have been shocking to me, but it was how badly, how badly Loyola handled Illinois. Um, I tip of the tip of the cap to I think Porter Moser is the head coach of Loyola Chicago, and it, it it's I like it because you don't often see it in games. Uh, you know, saw it a little bit in the Super Bowl. I uh, think Andy Reid was unprepared, but Porter Moser depanced. Illinois on national television. And this gets back to like the mid-majors, Loyola, you know, they've got, they've got older guys, right? They've got seasoned guys. The best player is a 42 year old rec league player. You know, I just wish he had the specs on right to complete the look. It just domination and a level that you don't often see in basketball from the tip to the end of the game, just imposing their will on, on a team that was probably twice as talented as they were. Um, and that is kind of the joy of college basketball is the games, relatively speaking, are short and they move quick. You get a little hot shooting, you know, you run, you run your game plan. And that was, uh, you know, I kept expecting that game to turn and it never did. You know, 40 straight minutes of Loyola just doing anything they wanted to Illinois. Uh, super, super impressed by them. Illinois is just too damn good. They're too damn, uh, you know, powerful. and They've got two NBA players. That was certainly a shocking one. What was it for you, Larry? What, what was the, the game that you kind of thought, wow, I can't believe this has actually happened? Uh, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the Loyola game. And uh, to me, that wasn't, wasn't that big of an upset to me because I look back at you know, Ken Palm rankings is a big part of my formula that I look back at. I mean, they had Loyola in the top 10 of their rankings, which is crazy. You know, when you look back at, like I said, mid-major, not that big of a deal. Um, and Illinois, I think, was most people's at least top three favorite to win the national championship going into this tournament, right? Gonzaga, Baylor, and I think it seemed to be like Illinois was the next one. Um, but for me, it was a team that I didn't expect to knock off a team that I had actually going pretty deep uh, into the Elite Eight and potentially into the Final Four, and that was Abilene Christian um, beating Texas. It was one of the most ugly games I was felt like I was forced to watch. Again, I'm not complaining because we're getting the tournament, but... Uh, that defense of Abilene Christian was stifling. I don't know what you mentioned, you know, how Brad Underwood kind of got the pants, and I 100% agree with you in that. Um, I don't know what's going on with Shaka Smart. I don't know if he's going to be lasting much longer in Texas. Um, They had arguably a a top five 
uh, freshman in the country on their team, and I think he played like six minutes in that game. And I don't understand it at all. Um, but Abilene Christian being, they were number one in the country in turnovers, enforcing turnovers, I'm sorry. And, you know, they stayed true to that. They forced, I think it was like 23 turnovers from Texas. And anytime you turn the ball over 23 times in a game, it's going to be near impossible to win the game. So the way that they played defense and they were able to stifle them, you know, with seasoned guards, you know, which we always talk about in March, guards kind of seem to carry the teams. Um, but between Coleman and Jones, you know, Abilene Christian made them look like they were JV players in high school. So hats off to them. That was the most impressive upset for me. Yeah, and you, you mentioned it. I mean, you know, the way they were beat down the next game makes you even wonder further what was wrong with Texas. I mean, how can you not score into the mid to high 50s? And, uh, you know, we prognosticated about Shaka Smart losing his job for, for years in this podcast. He seemed to kind of stabilize the ship this year. You know, it seemed like earlier this year, okay, this is a make-or-break season for Shaka here uh, in Austin. And, you know, they had a good season. They're built very well. They're very talented. There's absolutely no reason they should be losing to a private Christian school in their own state. And I'm sure – that various alumni around the state are reminding their their Texas friends and foes about that. Um, I'm going to go with the battle of the OSUs. And it's funny, we had three OSUs in this tournament, two of them with the exact same colors. The last one standing is the Oregon State Beavers. And look, maybe I just didn't take this team seriously enough. They're on a pretty remarkable against the spread streak. I just thought for sure, once they blew out Tennessee, they were going to run out of steam against a very talented Oklahoma State team and, and the likely number one overall pick in the draft in Kid Cunningham. Um, they were, I wouldn't call them dominant. You know, it was a 10-point win. Um, but, you know, I was a, an Oklahoma State backer. I bet them pretty big in that game. And um, it was just surprising that they kept going. 80 points is no joke. And, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm a huge college basketball fan. I watched every second of both their game against Tennessee and their game against Oklahoma State. And, you know, I still don't really know this team that well. You know, it's one of those teams that kind of just, they're just playing well. They're gelling. They went on a crazy run in the Pac-12. And in the past, we've seen teams that go on runs to get those, steal those auto bids. They usually run out of steam. They didn't against Tennessee. They didn't against Oklahoma State. Uh, we'll see if perhaps that's the case in the next round when they play Lola Chicago. That'll be an interesting game as well. So that was the most shocking upset to me. Uh, we talked about a couple other ones. I, I was not that surprised as well, Larry, about Loyola beating Illinois. I just didn't think it would be that that dominant, dominant of a yeah. win, certainly. And, you know, I actually did take Abilene Christian against the spread, but I was very surprised to see them win that game as well. Let's flip it. Let's go the exact opposite. Let's talk about our picks, maybe an upset pick, that a uh, Moneyline pick uh, for, for an underdog that, that you thought this is exactly how I thought it was going to play out. And I'll start. The University of Oregon, the Ducks, take it on Iowa. This was almost too good to be true when I saw this. You have Dana Altman, incredible in the tournament. He has made, you know, never has not made it out of the first round. That continued by default this year. Um, and, and just one of those coaches that's known to get his guys playing very well in March. On the flip side, you've got the Iowa Hawkeyes and Fran McCaffrey still has never in his entire career made it out of the second round. This is not the first time he's had a very talented team going to the tournament. They seem to always be fading at this point in the season. Look, if you're an up-tempo offense, if you're a team that prides yourself on outscoring the opponent, you can't have all three guards have terrible games. Jordan Mohannon ends up graduating with a flagrant foul and zero points. That one was actually, <laughs> you know, the opposite of shocking. I, I fully expected that to happen. I didn't expect them to get like 16 dunks in that game, but I was very confident in Oregon. I bet them big. I took them in multiple brackets. That's one that did not surprise me. So we'll start with you, Larry. What was a game that you prognosticated that actually ended up maturing? 
Oh man, there was one that as soon as they announced it on Selection Sunday, I was like, please let these two meet up in the second round. Please let these two meet up in the second round. Um, and that was USC and Kansas. I, I faded Kansas as much as I possibly could probably over the past, I guess, five years. I just am not a believer in Bill Self. Um, and this USC team, you know, people kind of sleep on people sleep on the entire Pac-12 to be realistic. Um, you mentioned Oregon State is one of those teams and obviously Oregon, too. Uh, but this USC team, to me, is arguably one of the most complete teams in the country, especially with the left in the Sweet 16. They were kind of my dark horse uh, going into this. And just the matchup against Kansas, I just looked at it and said, there's absolutely no way Kansas is going to be able to handle these guys. He's not going to be able to handle both Mobleys. Um, and to be honest, I didn't think that you know Self was going to be able to make the adjustments needed to out-coach Andy Eiffel. And it was pretty much apparent from the get-go they're very similar in in a way to his Andy Eiffel's old team in Florida Gulf Coast. Well, they're not dunk city, they're not throwing oops everywhere. However, they just keep their foot on the gas the entire game. And when they have an opponent down, they stomp on their throat. And you saw it, what they did to Kansas. Kansas looked like they were going to try and make a little bit of a run come the start of the second half. And they just quickly turned it around, put their foot on their neck again, and that was it. Um, so that was the one that I was really looking forward to. I'm glad it came to fruition. It was my biggest bet of the tournament so far. Um, and when the line came out, I kind of knew, like as soon as I saw it being, you know, USC is a small, a small favorite as a six seed against the three seed. I'm like, all right, it's, it's, it's happening. Cause you know, Joe public's probably going to be on Kansas because Kansas is the team they know they're thinking USC can only play football. Um, so I was loving it. I'm, I'm glad it came through. My guys were very, very happy with it. Um, but that was definitely the game that I was looking forward to and it ended up panning out for us. USC can really barely play football at this point, yeah, but, but yeah, but yeah, they're more of a basketball school, and, and uh, you know that was an absolutely dominant win, you know, eighty-five to fifty-one. Um, I forget who tweeted it last night, but what a brilliant move Coach Enfield made by hiring their dad to be assistant <laughs> coach. It's, it's almost an indirect way of paying the player, right? And and so not only do you get him as a coach, and it seems like by all accounts that he's a very good assistant coach, but you get not one but two brothers to come to your school, and you have them there for one potentially magical season. So. Um, yeah, that was a great call. I, I definitely like SC quite a bit in that game as well. And, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with them and Oregon in the next round. What about you, Chris? What was one that we talked about last week maybe that ended up coming to fruition? Well, I love the I love the hire the guy's dad loophole that the NCAA, you know, for <laughs> – okay. It reminds me of many, many moons ago when Eddie Curry was somehow on DePaul and half of his family was employed by the school. Um, you know, you heard it on the podcast. I, I did say that uh, the big t- – Sports media and sports journalism is so lazy, right? One or two, three guys start reporting about the Big Ten, and then everybody's about the Big Ten all the time. Uh, And nobody's going to accuse me of being an L.A. or Pac-12 homer, but I said it on the podcast. I was like, look for the Pac-12 to make waves, and I'm fading the Big Ten. Um, So that obviously has come true in spades. One of the games I bet didn't even blink about it was Syracuse over San Diego State money line. Didn't, Didn't think twice about it. The thing I like about Bayheim is I think he legitimately tries to kind of grow his team and have his players mature during the season. But if he's in the tournament, it's – and I wish more coaches would do this. If you lose by two points or you lose by 20 points, you still lose. So they get out there and they just start shooting threes, right? It's like, screw it. We got nothing to lose. We're going to go out there and play and we're going to let it loose. And they, you know, they, they won you know, handily over San Diego State, which – I think a lot of people were on Syracuse, but I looked at that line and I think it was Syracuse plus three or plus three and a half or something when it kicked off and I couldn't believe it. Uh, so I jumped, I jumped right on that money line and, you know, 78, 62 is, is, is a pretty dominant win, but uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, I like I like when teams are just like, you know what, we're in the tournament. We're probably not going to win it all. Screw it. Let's just play. Right. And more guys should be doing that. Syracuse, I heard a stat, and it's even stronger now because after their second win, they have the highest winning percentage of any school in tournament history. Jim Beheim coaching his 36th wow. NCAA tournament. I mean, that's absolutely remarkable. And uh, it was just a few short years ago. This exact same scenario played out. Chris, we talked about this last week. They barely made the tournament, backed into it. Whole season went by with them. Most people thinking they wouldn't make it. You blink and bam, they're in the Sweet 16 again. And that 2 3 zone is just impossible to prepare for. And it's really, really tough. Uh, if you don't have a world-class coach. And I think we saw that with both the teams that they beat. Um, all right. Again, this is Believe in Betting LA, episode 76. And what a great week it was for both of our LA-based basketball teams. We are joined, as always, by our co-host, Chris Lewert, and a special guest today, Lucha Larry from Gambling Twitter. He's at Larry's Locks 2 on Twitter and Larry'sLocks.com. Let's talk about the best team that we think moving forward is probably very easy to remain on Gonzaga. They looked pretty awesome in both of their wins. Uh, they covered both, and I think they overhit in both. Um, but I'm actually going to go with a different team. I'll start us off. I was very impressed by Baylor. And maybe that's just I'm a Wisconsin fan, and it felt hopeless then the entirety of that game. Um, but if you guys remember, they're actually trailing against Hartford earlier in that game. I think it was like an 11-10 deficit, something like that. They turned it on. They sizzled. And this was a team that I think a lot of people thought, you know, mid-January was a team that could contend for the national championship. Bam, they get hit with a COVID lapse. They come back. They do not look particularly sharp. They lose to a Kansas team uh, that Larry's been fading for the better part of half a decade. And all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, maybe this Baylor team doesn't even get out of that region. And, you know, there was a lot of good teams. Uh, they obviously ended up playing Wisconsin. A lot of people thought they may struggle with a Purdue team that has a lot of size. Of course, there was Ohio State. All of a sudden, you look at this region, and it is wide open for Baylor. I mean, they have to play Villanova. That's not easy. Maybe they'll eventually have to play an upstart Arkansas team. But I was so impressed by their three guards. They're incredibly athletic. They are defensively sound. Um, Scott Drew is not a coach that I've backed a lot over the last decade or so. But this team feels different. It feels like a team that has polish, a team that has defensive intensity, and a team that can absolutely shoot the lights out of the ball. And that's what I look for in teams making a deep run in March Madison. Yeah, I think, you know, I was kind of on them, so it's easy to say. But I've been impressed by Creighton, especially in the second round. I I just think they've played. Hold on, hold, let's, let's clarify here. This is your most impressive team? Is most, most well, Okay. No, it's just I'm you know I'm giving I'm giving us some content here okay. because if I'm okay. saying most impressed, it's it's the domination right that the USC put on Kansas right that is something I I thought they would win I didn't think they they put it on them like that uh, and Loyola's uh, you know Loyola's performance as I said but something off the beaten path right is Creighton because Creighton looked horrible in their conference tournament uh, I thought they just looked disorganized they couldn't shoot and they played really well I think you're seeing. Uh, you know, again, a team with with juniors and seniors on it, and uh, you know they they had the coaching snafu, but I think they've rallied, and you know I I expect them. I think it's like sixteen half right now is is the spread against Gonzaga. I think they're going to cover that. I think they've been playing really well. It seems like everybody on their team is six foot seven and a half, and uh, you know that is a team that uh, that I've been surprised by that is has been playing has been playing really well and really savvy and. As I think the public floods to Gonzaga, right? As they should. Gonzaga looks looks head and shoulders better than everybody else. But I think as the public money floods in on that, if you can get Creighton getting 17 and a half points or 18 points or something crazy, uh, grab them because that's what I'm going to be looking for. 
Man, they should have lost to UCSB. I, I still can't believe that outcome. I was I was on the Gauchos, and uh, they should have won that game. It's it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, I think Chris m- missed the spirit of that conversation, but uh, I'm glad you gave a plug. We'll talk we'll talk about our our, our best picks in the next podcast. Uh, let, let's move it over to you, Larry. What was your most impressive team? Look, it's hard to deny Gonzaga. Right, they're still undefeated. Grant, they haven't played the best competition, um, but it, it's hard to look past them. You mentioned Baylor. Baylor has been my team to win the national championship pretty much the entire year. Uh, I'll never pick Gonzaga to win a national championship because I always feel like they're going to fade. Um, and I mentioned the other team that, to me, looks like the only other team that could probably compete with Gonzaga this year, uh, and that's USC. I think that they can really give them a run. Um, and if they do somehow get by Gonzaga there, they're going to have all the confidence in the world going to the Final Four. And who knows at that point. But I'm going to be tending to agree with you, Sam. Uh Baylor, to me, it seems like the most complete team. They have three guards. They don't just have two. They don't just have one. They have three guys that can all handle the ball. They can all shoot from deep. They can all defend. Um, so it's hard to deny Baylor in this conversation. So I think I would lean Baylor as possibly being the, the best team right now and the most impressive so far. Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but it, it's uh... – the more you think about it, it, really all does come down to guard play, and, uh, and and they've got spectacular guards. I mean, so does Gonzaga as well. We'll, we'll be blessed if we see that national championship game. We'll, we'll see if that ends up. It was up stolen. Happening. We got that matchup yes. stolen earlier this yes. year, right? So yeah, exactly. it would be it would be pretty cool to see in the championship. Right. It would be very cool to see uh, the, the rain check come to fruition. <laughs> I think yeah. that's kind of uh, what we're we're marching towards. But if anything taught us in the first week, you can't take anything for granted. Now, we briefly talked about the COVID. Uh, we only had one true COVID hiccup. I mean, we did have um, Jordan Texas even score, get scratched from that game. So it affected the tournament before. But, um, you know, news broke late on Saturday. Bam, just like that. No game, no contest. Oregon advances. It was pretty remarkable. I actually had a couple of Oregon friends over for the game, and they were all decked out in their gear. And just ah. like that, there's no extra game. And it felt like, oh, man, we got kind of robbed of a, what could have been a spectacular game between Oregon and VCU. Um, but let's just talk overall thoughts on how we're doing this tournament with COVID. It seems like things went relatively smoothly. You know, it was really cool to see games in, in Hinkle and see games at Mackey and uh, historic, beautiful basketball arenas with a ton of great history and games have being played. Um, we had some fans, not a lot of fans. It was good to have any fans back. Did you guys notice anything different this year besides the obvious of course as we talked about to me it kind of felt like business as usual i mean there's no bands there which was kind of weird but i thought overall the ncaa and and everyone involved players coaches training staff did a spectacular job um, but i wanted to just hear your guys thoughts on that and we'll start with you larry yeah i mean look i've been saying this from the get-go with with covid um you know i started doing all my research with all kinds of crazy soccer. You guys can see me right now wearing my KBO, you know, Dino's hat. You know, I was following that. To me, honestly, when there's no crowd there, it doesn't affect me at all as a viewer, to be honest. You know, I get so focused on the actual game, the players, the coaches. And I think the one cool aspect about it is being able to hear some of that stuff that you normally wouldn't hear during the course of a game because of the crowd noise. So I love being able to hear the coaches get on their players, you know, you know, granted what happened with Izzo and stuff like that. But outside of that, I mean, to hear these guys try and give out some X's and O's that you as a viewer can hear, I think that's really cool. But like you said, kudos to the everybody within the NCAA for, for making this happen. I think I read somewhere where it's like at one point it was 10,000 some tests and it was like 99% came back negative and, just the way they're handling everything, I think, has been 
you know, first class and as it should be. Um, but yeah, I think, I think without the fans, it kind of loses a little bit of luster. I think, you know, seeing the one shining moment when this is all said and done, you're going to be like, what's going on. Um, but outside of that, it doesn't really play a big part in my viewership at all. It was trying to remember what the, what the uh, first game of the tournament was. And maybe it was because it was a little earlier in the day. Maybe they just didn't have any many fans, but just like you said, Larry, you could hear the shoes squeaking. You could hear the coaches and assistant coaches yelling it out. And, that's actually something I'm looking forward to uh, technology-wise and our TV and our TV providers and streaming is you're going to be able to select your feed, your your uh, your audio, you know, going forward here in the next few years. So I look forward to, you know, putting on the, the noise, right, just the stadium noise and, and listening to that um, I think is, is something that's really neat. And, you know, not to be a, a Debbie Downer, but I hope they have a plan. I hope the NCAA has said, what are we going to do if a Final Four team gets nailed, right? What are we going to have happen? Do we postpone the game? I just don't want them to get caught flat-footed. Um, you know, it's absolutely sucks for the for the kids at BCU, right? Like, I think Oregon wins that game, but I just hope there's some sort of contingency plan going forward if, if you know, the worst happens and there's a positive test, because right now it's it's like being on cloud nine that it feels like life feels back to normal, right, when, when this stuff is going on. The NCAA being caught flat-footed? No way. No way. That's impossible. (laughs) They're always on top of everything, right? (laughs) It is pretty remarkable. Look, it was a 7-10 game. Uh, I think it was like a five-point spread. I mean, sure, it's very controversial. Sucks for VCU. It sucks for Oregon, honestly, because, you you know, those fans want to obviously watch that game. They want to experience the tournament, but they moved on, of course, with a a butt-whooping against Iowa. So no harm, no foul there. What if this was a 16-1? You know, what if if Gonzaga comes out with, with... COVID test. So you just scratch the game and say, okay, Norfolk State advances, you know, for only the second time. Woohoo. You know, I, I, I just, I, I don't know how this is going to be applied moving forward with more high profile games, more high profile players. Um, you know, I guarantee you this, if, if Duke was somehow in the tournament and, and, and they got COVID, I guarantee you they wouldn't just cancel the game, you know? So it kind of sucks to see a double standard for a team like VCU uh, that absolutely deserved to play that game. I'm not saying they should have delayed it. It would have messed everything up, but um, it's really going to be curious, and, and hopefully we don't have to do this, but it's going to be curious to see how they handle a different scenario. So ultimately, it was a blast, guys. I, I had so much fun watching. There were so many upsets. There were so many memorable moments, so many individual uh, team performances and, and player performance that I love to see. We loved breaking it down with you, Lucha Larry from Gambling Twitter. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Are there any plugs you want to make? Is there any picks that you want to get here over to our, our listeners on the air? To be honest, I've actually been like so deep in baseball research over the past day and a half, so I don't really have anything out there yet for the Sweet 16. Um, you had mentioned my website. Uh, I'm trying to build that up as much as I can. I'm trying to make as many resources available to people as I can. Um, myself and my co-host on our podcast at Full Slate Pod, um, uh, Greg Frank, we talk about it all the time. At the end of the day, you know, we're all in the business of taking down the book. Uh, and any way we can help each other is a positive. You know, there's plenty of folks out there who drag each other down on gambling Twitter, and it's oh, tough to say it. It can, it really can. But if you're getting within the right people and you can be in the right sub committee, or I guess you'd say sub uh, community, sub, yeah. um, it, it's it's a lot of fun. And again, like I said, at the end of the day, we're all on the same team. We have one enemy. That's the book. And you know, thank goodness everything's coming back to life. You know, we got the tournament baseball's on the way we got hockey playoffs coming up it's a great time so i appreciate you guys for having me on uh, it's been a blast it was nice meeting you guys nice talking some march madness with you and uh looking forward to the rest of these games 
Yeah, likewise. And just just quick thoughts on baseball then. Where do you have the Dodgers and Angels finishing this year, over or under? Oh, I'm not that deep yet. And I'll have anybody, <laughs> any 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 full full season predictions. Look, I'm a okay. Phillies guy, so you sure, know baseball's sure. kind of been down towards the bottom of the heap with uh within our local team. So, uh, but it should be an exciting team. Kudos to you guys out there. You guys got Mookie for a long time, and yeah. you know with with him and, and Kershaw. I mean, how can you not go with them? So, if I had to pick a team, I'd probably pick them to, to win it all. It's weird. Wait for so long for the Dodgers to finally win the big one. It happens during COVID. It doesn't even feel like it actually happened. It's almost <laughs> totally, like, totally. Uh, you know, like it, like it's a, like a fake World Series, like a Truman Show type of existence that someone created for me. So it'll be fun to see the Dodgers back out there and hopefully the next one, whenever that may be, will feel a little bit more special. Well, thanks for your time. That was Lucha Larry from Gambling Twitter. Again, Larry's Locks 2 on Twitter, larryslocks.com. And, and he has got a lot of great content from March Madness and beyond. All right, what an awesome guest, Lucha Larry, live from Philadelphia. Very cool to have uh, the different perspective of Coast there. We talked a bit off air, and uh, Larry's actually a Michigan fan. Didn't mention that at all. So um, first time ever that someone's rooted for Michigan and not told you about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new the new vegan or, or CrossFit is being, being a Michigan fan. So um, Michigan looked awesome. We want to talk about our records. We promised we would do that. We always keep ourselves accountable on this show. All-star, Chris. I had a great weekend gambling. It's not reflected in my bracket, and unfortunately, it's not reflected in this overall record. I went 14 and 17. Now, a few of those um, you know, don't include. We, we did bet the first four, all four of those games. We obviously didn't get the benefit of the Oregon VCU game. Um, and we did not get the benefit of four games that were waiting on playing games. So I would have absolutely taken UCLA. I slammed USC. Both those obviously came uh, out in, in one. So 14 and 17, I'll take it. I actually had a really good weekend. So you'll have to take my word for it. But uh, in terms of the picks that I gave out on this podcast, 14 and 17, the one extra one or the one missing one, I should say, uh, of course, that Oregon VCU game. You fared a bit better in our picks that we gave out last week. You went 17 and 14 with the one being, of course, the Oregon uh, VCU game. So. Um, I think a lot of the upsets that we picked, Chris, ended up coming to fruition just off the cuff here. We both liked Abilene Christian, I believe. We both liked Hartford. Um, we definitely both liked uh, Loyola. I mean, they weren't, that wasn't an upset, but we liked that one. I think we clashed in some of these closer ones. Like, I liked Maryland. I believe you liked Yukon. Yep. yep. Uh, there were a few others that we clashed on. Uh, I think we both like Eastern Washington. That was a kind of a, a last-second cover. We both like UCSB, I believe. So um, if it's one thing you learned – in this first week of the tournament, it was that, um, you know, these underdogs are covering like crazy. Uh, the underdogs, especially in the first half, are covering like crazy. And then, of course, always we talk about it, the unders are a great value playing the tournament. Uh, people love to bet the over. It's way more fun. But the reality of the game is there's only a 40-minute basketball game. It doesn't always come down to free throws. You know, sometimes it's a close enough game where it's just back and forth at the end. It's a, a knock-it-out, drag-it-out kind of fight. Um, and then what I always talk about when it comes to unders in college basketball is that you know, you see a made basket, ball gets kicked, flung away, goes deep into the stands, they have to go track it down, they get it to the baseline. Before you said it's done, it's like eight to ten seconds, and that can yep. happen two, three, four, or five times in a game. Just like that, it's a 39-minute game instead of a 40-minute game. Uh, and then not to mention, okay, Team A gets the ball with 25 seconds left at the end of the first half. Um, they're not going to go down and just chuck up a shot. They're going to waste that 25 seconds and then, uh, you know, obviously hold for the final shot. And so... Um, all those things, you know, they're priced into lines, but I don't think they're priced in by the average fan. So that's just my spiel. You know, my hunters are a good bet this time of year, even if they are excruciating to watch and root for. 
So really good opening weekend for you, Chris. What was something that you got really, really right that you feel great about that you bet maybe an underdog money line or you bet very confidently against the spread? Uh, what was that game for you? I think the one I, I felt best about and mostly, I guess this is my, my peer group, right? So, you know, I'm from the Midwest. A lot of my buddies went to Big Ten schools. North Texas over Purdue, um, you know, felt like a, a layup to me. And I remember just chatting with my friend. Oh, Purdue's underrated. Like, Purdue's, you know, third best team in the Big Ten, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, just just pumping out their conference. And uh, North Texas obviously took care of business. So I think that one felt sweet to me just because I got to send uh, lots of frowny face emojis out uh, as North Texas was was locking up that game. So, you know, that had uh, that had sentimental value to me more than monetary. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you had quite the victory lap over a, a, a plethora of your Big Ten friends. Uh, I'm sure you have friends at basically every Big Ten school. And they all lost this weekend, except for me. So uh, yep. I'm sure that I'm sure that was fun. Um, I talked about the Iowa Oregon one. I mean, that, that was like stealing money from a baby. I mean, that <laughs> unbelievable that you that you can go ahead and actually make Iowa, you know, a six point favorite or whatever they closed. I mean, just just absurd. I was saying it all year. This is an incredibly overrated Iowa team that can't play defense. Luca Garza can't defend inside, and these guards. Uh, you know, wither under pressure. So, and, and I just can't stand Fran McCaffrey, let's be frank. Um, did not mean to, to say Fran and then Frank, but there you go. What I'm going to say, we're going to stay in the Midwest here, and, you know, Ohio State goes down. The Ohio Bobcats carry the day. What was the one thing that I said, Chris, is, is in my sports betting Bible every year last week? What did I say to you? Uh, guard play, teams that shoot three-pointers. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move past that. <laughs> You fade Virginia in the first round. I don't care how good they are. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care what the spread is. You take the other side. And this one was just it was just set up so well. This is an overrated Virginia team. I think the ACC was overrated all season as well. Uh, this is not a team, not, not a vintage Virginia defensive team, efficient offensively. But this Ohio team was just, just meant to be good against this Virginia team. Not only did they cover the seven and a half, but of course, they win that game outright. It's just, it's just so easy. You just, you just fade Virginia in the first round. Free money, and, and we just, and we just didn't, we didn't even get a real opportunity. I like it when usually it's, you know, they're a two seed and you're playing a, a worser team, and it's a 17, 18 point spread because it's even more likely, I think, when the spread's that high, that they're not going to be able to cover that. But uh, yeah, this one just, just loved Ohio, and and it was, it was easy. It was easy money. All right, what was on the, on the. Uh, the other side, what was something, and we talked about this earlier with Larry as well, but what was something that you really felt down to your core was right that you ended up being dead wrong on? I couldn't have been more wrong about St. Bonaventure. I I thought they were going to win that game, no problem. Uh, I'm not impressed by so LSU. I. Yeah. I don't understand how they have a head coach still, despite being on tape talking about pain players at, at two years running now. I, I have no idea how that's... It's just another black eye for the NCAA, just total incompetence. But I, I thought St. Bonaventure was going to was really going to make some noise in this tournament. And you know, the I watched the end of the game and I sat there. I was like, really? Like it, this happened? Like, ah, oh. you know, I'm a numbers guy, right? But just you know, your heart often just pulls for things anyway. And I would just I was fall flat on my face wrong about that. Speaking of your heart pulling for things, uh, the one that I was dead wrong, and I was actually thrilled about uh, of course it's very well documented i'm wisconsin grad i'm a huge badger basketball fan 
I hated watching this team all season. I mean, a senior-laden team that just you, you just couldn't trust and they couldn't do anything right. They go against North Carolina, who who in retrospect was did not belong in this in this tournament field. Yeah. But the batters shot lights out, a fully complete game. I went from there's no way they win this game to oh my god, they're going to the final four with you know, 30 minutes into that game. Uh, and of course, their season ended just two days later when they uh, lost pretty handily to Baylor. Uh, but it was. Not something that I thought would happen. I told all my friends I wouldn't bet on Wisconsin. I'm not betting on Wisconsin. I wouldn't take the Badgers. This Carolina team, you know, may find a way to get it done. You know, Ron Williams, 29-0 in the first round. Of course, that's a, um, a a misleading stat because he's very infrequently an eight seed, of course, and very frequently, infrequently a, a two-point favorite in the opening round. But I was surprised. I really was. I did not think the Badgers had it in them. And, and not only did they win that game, but it was uh, a handy, easy win. So, um that was a good one. All right. Before we go, Chris, let's just talk about what was the most memorable moment? What was the the, the one that had you standing up, pacing around? What was the, the most memorable thing that you saw from the first weekend of the tournament? You know, I think I think Abdullah Christian obviously is is just, I think, a, a great story, right? You know, it didn't continue on, but to beat you beat a, a school that I'm sure in Texas, it doesn't matter where you are in Texas. Somebody is a fan of the Longhorns. They're always putting it in your face, right? And you're a small, you know, Christian school that comes out and, and you know, beats the the biggest team in the state and, you know, that has all the money, right, that has all the facilities, that has all those things. Uh, so that felt like a feel-good story to me and something that I couldn't – get almost like the Bonaventure game where I was like, come on. We're like, what is Bonnie going to turn it on? They're going to turn it on, aren't they? They're going to turn it on. I thought the same thing in Texas. I was like, okay, they're going to get it together here. No way, no way, no way. And, uh, you know, as much as I had my hand in my, my face in my hands, my head in my hands, uh, when Bonaventure lost, I had them up in the air to watch, uh, you know, I have no feelings about Texas really one way or the other, but to, to see a small school like that upset them was a, was a fun victory. Yeah, that was a fun game. It came down to two free throws at the end. Abilene Christian hit both of them. Uh, that was pretty, a pretty spectacular ending for sure. Uh, I'm actually going to bring up two different games. They were both very similar, both in the second round. Arkansas, Texas Tech, what a spectacular game. That one came down to the very final possession. Of course, the Hogs coming out on top over Texas Tech, 68-66. to 66, But Texas Tech came screaming back from a, from a large deficit. It felt over. It wasn't so much fun watching that game. Uh, and in the second game, we'll, we'll stay um, in Texas and in, in Houston overcoming a 10-point deficit over Rutgers. That one was all kinds of fun. I told everyone I could possibly – tell that Rutgers is bad at free throws definitely live at the hell against them if they're up late with the lead and so I did that I took my own words I also had a big bet on Houston money line not proud of it um, but that was a crazy last minute comeback by Houston um, they were trailing 50 to 40 they ended up winning 63 to 60 so that one both of those are, are incredibly memorable ones I don't think we had any buzzer beaters did we am I forgetting no, I don't think there was. I mean, you know, Abilene hitting free throws, but there was no, you know, yeah. late three pointer at the buzzer. Nothing, nothing like I don't think that. There was any actual buzzer beaters? Yeah, um, and there was a couple of really nice last minute covers. Um, that Eastern Washington, Candace one comes to mind, and there was yep. a couple others that were really, really close. But we're waiting for. It. We need to see some some buzzer beaters. We need to, we saw a couple overtime games. We saw a ton of upsets. So we're due for a buzzer beater or two. Well, any final thoughts here? Episode 76 of Believe in Betting Lay, a post-mortem week, weekend one breakdown of the NCAA tournament. 
yeah, looking looking forward to uh, to continuing. And uh, so far, even with all the craziness overall, uh, betting has been has been profitable and has been good for Stag Capital. So I hope that continues, and uh, you know, I hope the enjoyment. Right, it's uh, those things aren't always going hand in hand. Either you're kind of winning and the games stink, or you're losing and the games are great and it's hard to enjoy it because you're losing money. But this is one of those occurrences where you were winning money and the games were great. The games are always going to be great with March Madness. So really all it comes down to is if you're winning money or not. That's up to you. If you want Stag Capital's advice, go to Edgefighter Sports on Twitter. It's my best advice to you. Well, for Lucha, Larry, for the Bleed Podcast Network, for our sponsor, Bet Online, for Stag Capital, for Edgefighter Sports, for Chris Lort, I'm Sam Maxwell. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.